you'll have to make some changes to that team. And, and, and to me, that's what, uh, you know, what leadership uh, really is, is, is making those hard decisions and, uh, and having a vision that people really want to follow. Are you experiencing lack of mentorship and might not want to ask because you don't want to look incompetent? Is the thought of being imperfect keeping you from taking action? Welcome to Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans Season 3. Each week, we interview senior leaders to uncover the inner workings of being a strategic leader and how they curate a corporate coaching culture. We debunk some common misconceptions by exploring their failures and successes as imperfect humans. This weekly mentorship will help you with tactics to play the game, navigate the politics, and think strategically. From the heart of Calgary, Canada, here's your host, award-winning coach, Kyle Kalu. Well, hello everyone. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's amazing to have yet another exciting leader that's going to be on here with me today, um, which is going to be Shane Wenzel. And I will introduce Shane in a second before we get a chance to chat with him, uh, just so everyone have an understanding of who he is. And, and like we've been saying, you know, it's really about how do we make sure sharing this type of interview, this type of conversation on the podcast to help those people who are either emerging leaders or people who want to bring their leadership to their next game, or even some of those people who are like, why the heck would I be a leader? I see what these guys do. Why do I want to do that? Um, so Shane is going to help us debunk some of that. Um, but before we get into Shane here, let me just do a quick little intro. So Shane is the president of Shane Holmes Group of Companies and the namesake. Shane's responsibilities include strategic direction for the companies, um, policy advice um, as well, and building um, industry through BILD Calgary and political involvement through the Alberta Enterprise Group on the economy, making him an industry leader in his field. Shane's sales and marketing background comes from growing up with two entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs' parents, Kyle and Edith, and participating in a business advisory group. On the personal side, Shane considers himself a bit of a tech junkie and social media influencer on various platforms. Now, I haven't seen the guy's TikTok, so I'll ask him about that in a second. He's also proudly a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone else in between, here is Shane. Shane, did I miss anything there? No, you didn't miss anything, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's get to this tech junkie. What is that about? Yeah, I've always had a uh, had a thing for uh, for technology, you know, and I think that uh, that that's proven to uh, to help out even in even in later life. Mm, you I know, if, yeah, well, I think if you go back in time. What was the first one? There it was a Palm Trio phone. <laughs> wow. You know, one of those, I had to go out there and get that as soon as I could. Uh, you know, I even had Blackberries until they were out of style. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like a flip phone, because that's where I would go back. I would be oh, I could go way back to the flip phone, that old brick. I remember having that old brick. I have it still. I think I still have yeah. it. I think I did a video with it. And someone's like, seriously, where do you get that phone? And so Shane, would that mean then, because I know I am, I'm not sure about you, but would you say that you're usually more 
kind of early adopter when it comes to technology? Because I know there's a few folks, I mean, and for those people who listen to our podcast will know that Christopher and I, my business partner, have a little bit of a difference in how we how we kind of connect. And he's not an early adopter, right? You think with a company have like changed my life coaching, he'd embrace change easy, but he doesn't, right? And so, you know, some people who's like, no, let them figure it out first before I get on. So would you say you're an early adopter when it comes to like either technology or? I am definitely an early adopter when it comes to technology. You know, I, you know, I've spent a hell of a lot of money on technology. <laughs> but, you know, I think if you can see the benefits of it more than anything that, you know, I mean, it, it can be of real value to you personally and professionally. Yeah. It really is because I think, you know, um, you know, when people were blaming, say, when the internet came in, right, people were like, oh, the internet killed. And then you saw companies who really pivoted quickly, right? You saw companies say, well, I'm going to use this thing and do this other stuff. And I think when we look back, even on leadership, that is what happens. You have some leaders. And I used to, I always use the expression who are still in 1812, right? Like that's, to me, if I'm talking about history, that seems to be the day I go back is 1812. And you have some folks who are still doing their leadership that way. So I'm actually curious for you, you know, like how do you even get into leadership? Let's just start there. Like, how did that even happen? Because I know you got some entrepreneurial parents there. Yeah, that that in itself, I mean, I mean, I knew what it was. but I think at first I, I, I kind of looked at it as more of a, a title than anything. And, uh, mm. and I guess you, you learn, you make a few mistakes along the way until you truly find your way when it comes to uh, becoming a leader. Uh, I guess, in other words, you have to sell people on your vision. You, you have to understand what your management team needs to be successful. And you have to, you have to build some consensus around it. And eventually you'll have to make some changes to that team. And, and, and to me, that's what, uh, you know, what leadership uh, really is, is, is making those hard decisions and, uh, and having a vision that people really want to follow. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there with the vision. I find what we see sometimes is that we take a really good employee and mm-hmm. they're so good at doing what they're doing. And they may be really clear in what the company's vision is. And then we make them a leader. And then we figure they're going to create other people like them. So yes. how does that person, you know, get them to have others believe in that vision that you just said? Like, how did you do it? I mean, I'm sure they were gung ho when you became that leader, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that uh, that was probably one of the biggest challenges that I did have. Uh, mm. You know, my father had uh, had run the company for uh, for a number of years at this point, uh, probably about 30 years. And uh, he had some good people around him who maybe didn't believe in me when I became president and, you know, weren't really uh, aligned with my vision. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn right up front is, again, you know, bringing people along that way and, and kind of selling them on the, the ideas that I had to, to make the company better. And it, admittedly, it was a big shift it was a big shift for them because I have all these wonderful ideas in my head about what needs to change. And I guess it's really starting with that old adage that, you know, if, if it ain't broke, break it. Mm. And, you know, I, uh, I, I, I had some rocky times at first, you know, I, admittedly that, uh, that kind of held back that vision from coming through initially. And eventually I, 
honestly, I had to change some of those people out. I needed people that bought into it. I needed people who were prepared to uh, to mentor mentor a younger ta- or younger staff or a younger management team coming in below them. That was crucial to uh, to succeeding and and moving forward. So, for those folks who are you know listening and and watching us, Shane, you know, I think. You know, and you get to a certain level. I find sometimes when you get to a certain senior level, people based on their organization, you may get quite comfortable and sometimes the learning stops and, you know, but there's other folks, you know, around who are like still punching it through. Now, when you're saying, you know, making some of these changes and and you're right, you know, when your dad was running this thing for a long time and there's a certain way of doing it. And of course, when you change the guard, so to speak, someone else usually has, you know, great ideas. And that's the thing with senior leaders and entrepreneurs, we have tons of ideas. (laughs) This is the issue. We have so many and not everyone's going to buy in. And so what were some of the failures you know, um, that you had experienced. So it sounds like you made some changes for the, you know, some folks mm-hmm. that's going in there. Uh, what are some of the other fillers you say, you know what, you know, if I could have avoided this lesson, that would have been great, but you and I both know the head fake is we learned so much from these, right? Um, yes. What were some of the failures that you would be able to identify for people who may be so hesitant to even make some of these decisions, right? Well, I think, well, there's a couple of them that really stand out in my mind, Kyle. Uh, you know, improving the customer experience was one of the goals that, uh, that I had in mind for the organization. Now, keeping in mind, we had an organization chart that, that put the customer up on top of, of everybody, which is great visually when you look at it. But, you know, I was, I was convinced that we didn't totally believe it. You know, we were just this regular old company who had this org chart that showed the customer at the top. Great. <laughs> you know, so it's my customer, you know, improving the customer experience is a hell of a lot more than that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's personalizing it. It's, uh, it, it, it's kind of handholding the whole way through because we sell a very large luxury item that uh, the people don't buy every day. Right. You know, so everybody is different, you know, from the, uh, from the first time home buyer to the seasoned home buyer to the final home buyer, they need specific information. They need, they need handholding. They need, conversations along the way they need to be told what's happening or they need to be told when to uh, when to make a decision so we were doing okay at that we weren't providing anything very different and that's what i was pushing the organization towards is is moving more in that direction so you can imagine when you have uh, have some of your managers in there and some of your executive who have been around for 20 some odd years where they sit there and say we've been told it's okay the way it is so far <laughs> Right, right. You know, so I mean, that was uh, that was a, a insurmountable challenge that that I had to get over, and that took me uh, that took me a couple of years. It took me a couple of years to get past that problem. Now, do you find Shane that you probably had to make a a tough decision on something because you know that is a you know a big deal, right? When you have someone in yes. the organization for twenty something years and spent of their life right yes. in the organization. And the alignment may not have been there. Like, I mean, did you make those calls to like, how did you, because what if they don't want to change? What if they don't want to buy in to this new uh, way of looking at things by saying, Hey, we have to up our game here. I definitely, I had to make some difficult decisions and, uh, and in cases I needed the blessing of my father, who was, uh, was still actively involved in the business and still is today. He's the uh, the CEO, and uh, you know he's uh, he fancies himself a visionary still, although he's backed off of that role a little bit more lately. Uh, you know, but these are some of the people that he hired and some of the people he believed in. 
so you can imagine this isn't uh, this isn't like parachuting a new president in and, <laughs> right. and the former president takes a back seat uh, you know this is this is really kind of a family affair so to speak and because uh, he's still there it. right Oh, yeah, he's, he's still, still here. there. So it's he's not still, like uh, when people take off the role, they're like, "Well, that was the old guy. I don't know why he yeah. was doing that, but, but you had the guy still there, right?" He, yeah, and there. he's still actively involved at this point. You know, not letting go of things as as rapidly as what some others might do. But uh, you know, he's still my father, and I still have to appreciate his opinion. But uh, you know, I think that was kind of a one thing that we had to learn from each other is how to coexist in, you know, similar but different roles. But, uh, you know, eventually he did come around and, uh, you know, we, uh, I, I made these changes with his blessing as well. Wow. You know, but it was for the betterment of the organization and, uh, and more importantly, it was, it was better for the customer moving forward so that we could actually get closer to that, that, true, that true customer experience that we wanted to create. Yeah. And, and by that, one of the questions I usually have around that is like, what would be the silver lining? And so that would be part of it, you'd say, right, is just, you know, the, the obviously the company progress, you yes. know, you've got some new folks in there. And so would there any be, would there be any other silver lining, would you say? Lots, some- lots of them. I mean, obviously, you're going to have happier customers, uh, you know, but I ended up with a better management team. Okay. Yeah, you know, a management team that, uh, you know, that were capable or they were comfortable with me uh, empowering them, giving them the opportunity to uh, to make decisions that, you know, they felt that they might have to escalate up to me. No, I wanted people who were uh, were prepared to think on their feet and and make key decisions, even if I wasn't around or if I wasn't uh, wasn't available. You know, so we uh, we improved our management team uh, 100 percent and added in people who, who, who understood and bought into that vision, that ultimate vision that, uh, again, that makes the customer experience that much better. But it, uh, you know, I mean, one of the other benefits of it is that we, uh, we improve the culture within the company as well, because now we have happier employees who, who feel the same relief, you know, that they're able to make these decisions, key decisions when needed, without having to escalate, escalate it for an answer. That's a main thing. I think for a lot of employees, you, you often hear that. I mean, it's coming out more and more every day. You know, people are not sticking around because you're giving them a gift, free gift certificate. They're not sticking mm-hmm. around because you gave them 3%. They really want that engagement. Something that we've, you know, when I work with my clients, we talk about how do you create that corporate coaching culture, you know? Because what we're seeing, Shane, is more and more organizations have recognized the value in building a corporate coaching culture that offers employees at all levels, not just the executives and managers, which I think we naturally do, right? We, we, we want to deliver, develop our managers. We want our leaders to be top-notch, but sometimes we leave the employee regular Joe, you know, um, you know, behind. We want to be able to develop them so they have the opportunity to grow their skills, enhance mm-hmm. their value, and reach their professional's goals. So that way they don't need to rely just on, I have to go ask Shane, I have to go ask my manager, I have to go ask, you know, and so it sounds like you guys have done some stuff there to really help them do that. And that's exactly what came out of all of it. You know, I mean, you've got more, you got more fulfillment, you've got more trust, you've got a lot of different things happening with your, uh, with your employees. And it works so much better is, you know, for, for continuity uh, with your culture, but, you know, continuity with your customer service, you know, because now they are making those decisions that, you know, again, that they would have to have elevated in the past. Love that. You know, I, I, I saw the other day on a, 
um, I think it might have been TikTok or something like that. And 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 I'm, I keep plugging TikTok, not because I'm on it all the time or <laughs> there's other things that's going on there. But this one guy said he used to work at Apple and he said one of the first things Apple does in their training is they show them how to use it instead of let me see your phone, let me see your, you know, your yes. MacBook. Let me, they're actually, because they said what they realize is that most people just don't know how to use their device. And yeah. so they, you have to walk, like, could you go this? Could you click onto that? So it's what you're saying to me is that when you're, your culture now is that you have a group of people who've bought in to mm -hmm. where they recognize that this is all for us. This is what it makes sense to do. And so they have that autonomy, which is what people want, right? Yes. And that's what leads to fulfillment is if I have autonomy around the work that I'm doing, which I don't find that a lot of leaders are doing that shame. So if you have people in your organization who still feel as a leader, I have to decide, I have to tell you what to do. I have to show you how to do it. Like, how do you get them buying? Because what if those people are experiencing that now with leaders where they're like, I think they buy in, but I'm hearing from the employees, they're not bought in. <laughs> So what, how do you help that leader? Like, I mean, because sometimes there's some really good people and they just don't know how, right? And and so we're not saying, you know, get rid of those people who don't buy yes. in. I think you have to work with them to some degree, um, but you do get to a level. So what would you say to those folks who are saying, listen, I'm a leader. I'm not fully bought into the CEO yet. Like, is there something I can do before they either kick me out or before I become resentful? You know what, the way uh, we ended up resolving that one was uh, formalized training and coaching for uh, for our entire management team. And uh, even I participated in it. I wasn't above it. I needed to learn something new. And that was that was the great part about it is it was a yeah. great team building exercise. Yeah. But Love that. it also showed everybody, especially our junior managers, how easy it was just to kind of coach people and bring them along. Mm -hmm. And with that kind of knowledge, when they're armed like that, uh, they're able to come back and, and, and instill that upon their team and, and really create that, uh, that fun environment where, you know, again, where they ask the simple questions, understanding their personality types to say, you know, how would you have done that? How would you have approached that? Things like that, that, that really, you know, kind of, uh, kind of elevated their staff to something even, even more than what they were before. And like you said, it's that fulfillment that they get out of knowing that, hey, I'm trusted here. And I know if I, you know, I, if I make most decisions and I make most of the right decisions, right. I'm not going to get in trouble for the few times I might make the wrong decision. Yeah. I and know sometimes there's a retraining, right, Shane? Sometimes there's a retraining because they yes. may have come from organizations where the other leaders like did all of it, right? And there wasn't a lot of trust. There wasn't a lot of commitment, right? Accountability <laughs> wasn't even there. So there's all these other things that were there. So you may have to retrain them. Uh, a little bit. I love Shane that you said that you participated in the coaching and the workshops, because okay. I can tell you how many times we get brought in and they say, I need you to work with a team. I was like, mm -hmm. great. And you're going to be there. Oh, no, no, they need it. Like, I mean, I'm good. Like they need it. <laughs> well, I mean, I knew, uh, I knew bits and pieces because, you know, I've had some, uh, some formalized training and, uh, and I right. picked up a lot of knowledge just from, uh, just from some of the post-secondary courses I had taken and, uh, and my involvement with Tech Canada for so many years. But, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was great just to pick up a few more things and learn how, uh, learn, learn some of the best new techniques out there. But, you know, again, you know, recognizing that this is a team building exercise too. And what is this costing me other than, you know, three days in class? Yeah. 
uh, that's not a lot to ask, uh, especially when you're trying to get people to buy into this, this overarching vision that we have. Oh, absolutely. And, and here's the thing. And I think sometimes we have to be patient with ourselves is because, you know, we didn't get to where we are overnight either. So the one day training may not resolve the entire thing, but it's definitely mm -hmm. a place to go further. And I think the other part of that too, Shane, is that you as a senior leader now know what, how you can hold people accountable because you know what was talked about. You know mm -hmm. the tools and resources they were given. And this is what really helps when you can have that conversation to say, well, we we're part of that same training. I'm not too sure, like, what happened there? Like, were you able to step into some of that as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of the, uh, one of my favorite parts about it, uh, you know, because I'm quite comfortable with leaving myself vulnerable is, is getting everybody to participate in that side of the exercises. You know, how do you, how do you open up? How do you, how do you let yourself go and, uh, and show people that you're a human being too. And you have these other, these same vulnerabilities that maybe they do. No, you know, that was, that was one of the most that. fun parts of it. Yeah, no, because then you show that you are human, Shane. Like, what? You're this, you know, and I think, and, you know, we often hear that as well, right? There's this, uh, and we get it. For some people, at least we hear it, it's the title. Sometimes the title, you know, there's this divide. And you may not, you know, have direct reports with them. And I think that's the other piece. But, you know, when you can show up in a workshop or, a, you know, coaching or exercise that allows that vulnerability for you to say, listen, I don't know, right? I mean, and there's some people who kind of relish in that. They're like, wow, he's actually, what? That kept you up at night? Really? It does me too. You know what I mean? Like, what? And I think that's amazing. And so many leaders, because there's that fear of failure, they don't want to step into that. You know, they just don't, they feel they have to hold up 1812, right? We, we are the strongest and all this other stuff. And so with that said, what would you say to a leader that may be either struggling with that fear of failure, maybe they feel they can't speak to their senior manager directly, you know, or they just really want to do, because that's really fundamentally what we all want. We all want to do things that matter. We want to really be in a job and in a career that we find fulfillment. Sometimes there's things that get in the way. So what would you, what advice would you give that you know, that leader, either emerging leader or someone who's probably been leaving for 20 years the old way, like, what would you say to them? I'd say exactly that, uh, you know, open yourself up, be vulnerable, because you can't know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, 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 you're allowed to have, you know, weaknesses. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I learned from some of my counterparts over the years is they don't want to show weakness. You know, they want to show that they know everything, that they have nothing but strengths, but we all have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. I don't mind telling people what they are. So that's where the vulnerability comes in. And I think if you really, truly want to connect with your team, your managers, your executive, let them know what they are. Yeah. And ask lots of questions because you have those strengths to fill in those gaps, those weaknesses on your team. Let it happen. Yeah. Let it happen find most out of the people. Yeah, and you know, and I, I like stepping into that. And I often say, you know, people who are asking questions are usually ones in control, right? Because they're really trying to learn, they're really trying to understand what is happening, which puts them fur further ahead than just, oh, I think I got it. Yes. Right? I think I got it and may not be. And so what would you say is a the biggest issue you find right now? Like what is there a pain point that's happening right now, maybe in your leadership or in the organization? Well, we, 
managed to get rid of a lot of them. But I think one of the uh, one of the pain points is still, you know, being able to move faster than what we're already doing. And we move pretty quick. Uh, we we love to communicate, and yeah, I think that's been one of our uh, one of our one of our biggest assets is 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 recognizing the uh, the urgency. It's just kind of getting back to that now. You know, we've had 19 months of you know of lockdowns of COVID and things like that, and yet you end up somewhat delayed. But with that said, you know, we've also had a lot of those successes where we've been able to accelerate the uh, the digitization of our entire process. So. You know, I think uh, you know one of the one of the challenges is still just getting everybody to buy into it that this is the best way to go. You know, because there's definitely some fear on the uh, on the back end about it's too much, it's too quick. Not everybody's going to buy into this. That's okay. We're going to make it work. Yeah, I I, I, lo- I love that as well because you know as much as the ideas are great, as mm-hmm. much as you want it for everyone if the buy-in really isn't there, there's not, you can't really go too far. And, you know, I would say to those leaders who are listening right now, you, you really can't fake it, right? You really have to be able to step in. And, you know, when these senior leaders are saying, speak to me, you know, let me know, they truly want to know. And I know there's some apprehension sometimes in between that around, can I really say what I want to say? You know, because I think the fear is if I say what I want to say, I'm going to get fired, but they don't realize how much we appreciate when they say it, because we don't have it all the answers either, right? And so it's important to be able to step into that. And I think your organization, is that is that what it is for your leaders is that they're able to let people know, not only come to me, but they go to them to make sure that people are actually gathering the feedback of what's working, what's not working. Because if not, the buy-in is not even gonna be there at all then. I think for the most part they are. You know, they're, uh, you know, we're very open. Like I said, one of the things we pride ourselves on is, is communication. And we also value the fact that, you know, our people are one of the most crucial, uh, crucial assets in our organization. And I think that's why you find that we, uh, we retain our staff a lot longer than, uh, than the industry average would be, you know, because we have given them this latitude. We have, uh, we have shown them that it's okay to, to, to come with your ideas that, that we are approachable and we're, we're just looking for what are the best ways to approach us. We can't know all the answers, but, you know, everybody from every level of the organization has a, has insight into how to make, you know, this whole process that much better. Absolutely. And I would say on top of that, Shane, is utilize the leadership team that you guys have as a whole, right? Is that, you know, they're there for a reason. It's not always jumping all the way to the top because I know sometimes, you know, I worked with another CEO at the time and, you know, he would tell everyone to come and talk to him and then he would get their messages and redirect them to me. And I'm like, well, why do you tell them to talk to you when you're going to send them to me anyway? He goes, well, they're your direct reports. Right? And I'm like, well, tell them to talk to me. So I think it's just because sometimes we have to give people an opportunity to fix it, you know, yes. to do right by it, right? And if that's not happening, then there is like most organization, you'd be able to kind of escalate. However, you need to be able to step into that. So Shane, it's really been enjoyable. Any final comments that, you know, you want to just kind of get out to those folks who, like I said, if you were talking about dispunking, you know, um, the debunking any myth about leadership or anything, is there any final comments you have on there before I do a quick little summary here? Well, you know, I think one thing that's always kind of stuck out in my mind that I don't see enough of, and I know it can be a bit of a taboo in some organizations, but, you know, help help coach and mentor that, that young season staff, uh, you know, and I, I, I guess this just comes from, uh, you know, what I grew up in, 
was, uh, you know, I, I had some of the best mentorship around. And uh, I think there's this uh, almost this little little kind of protectionism that's happening now yeah. with people in their jobs. Uh, and they're almost worried to give away too much for fear of losing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, mentor that younger seasoned staff. I mean, you want the best people to, uh, to replace you in this world someday, one day. But uh, you might get better ideas just because you help bring them along. And, uh, you know, I mean, that in itself is, is, is really fulfilling. Oh, I hands down. And I don't think we have enough mentorship, which is why I think our business does so well, because there's times where someone will reach out to us and say, you know, I, I, I don't have anyone to mentor. Because here's the reality is that sometimes you can't take this stuff home with you, right? Because they're not the ideal person, right? Because they're, we, we, we say they're, you know, they have a, a bias, right? Because if they're, if they're your significant other, and you go home and complain about your boss, and the moment they say, well, you need to pull your big pants off, and they're like, yeah. Wow, thanks for the lack of support. Or if they say, you know what, that guy's an idiot. You're like, well, you're not helping either because I already hate the guy. You and me <laughs> hating him is not helping. So there, there's pieces around how do you be able to mentor, right? And I think that's where coaches and consultants fill that role. However, there's other people in the organization who can mentor. And, you know, it's, it boggles my mind the amount of leaders who don't have time to mentor their team because they're so operationally distracted, right? I'm not saying it's not important in the business, but they're so operationally distracted that they don't have one-to-ones. And the worst part, I don't know if this, you experienced the Shane or worked with people like this. The worst part is when you as a leader spending more time with your problem people because they're the squeaky wheel and yes. the good guys and gals don't even get that mentorship because you feel I have to correct them, I have to manage them. That could be a very big distraction in your organization because these good people are going to yes. be gone. They'll check yes. out. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, I've witnessed that happen over the years. But like I said, in our case now, we're, we're very comfortable. We have a, uh, have a better leadership team. And I mean, they, they understand that that's part of the job role right. as well. I would just like to see it happen more in other organizations because I think it's a gap that, that, that a lot of them have. Now, in some cases, they may not know how to mentor. Yeah. And, uh, and, and learning how to is, uh, is hard for them. But, uh, you know, you do have that wealth of knowledge and you don't want it to retire on you and take it away. You want that oh. knowledge passed along and imparted to the next generation. And I wish people could just see this video right now because that's the word. Like when we let go, like you said earlier about people being the asset and, yes. you know, building on that people, people don't realize that sometimes when someone leaves, not only the body is leaving, the, the equity, right? That asset is leaving the organization. And I say to my leaders all the time, if the organization could speak, would it be okay with this 30 year, 30 year veteran, this, you know, high, you know, um, high performer leaving the organization with all that knowledge, all that stuff, right? It's crazy. Well, Shane, thank you so much. You, you heard from today, you know, when Shane talked a little bit about vulnerability, being able to step into it a little bit more, you know, making sure mentorship is there for people. And again, not being afraid to make that mistake. You know, yes. not be able to show up and do what is necessary sometimes. Um, and sometimes that may be, you know, having certain people walk out because if they can't buy in or they're not slowing down to ask the right questions, you know, before they, they leave, then you sometimes may have to make that decision. Um, and it's not always the easiest decision, but yet, you know, it's a decision that the organization needs. And more importantly as well, sometimes the other people in the organization needs that bad apple to leave. 
And then also, you know, from the customer side perspective, because if you have to up your game, sometimes that's making changes that people may not like. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully I summarized that. Okay, Shane, I didn't miss anything there. Oh, you got it. You got it right. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, folks, listen until next week until we have another exciting senior leader is going to talk a little bit about some of the failures and successes for them in their organization. And if you have not done it already, please make sure you're subscribing as well as downloading this podcast and sharing it with someone because we never know who's listening. We never know who's watching that maybe just need to hear something today. And that's the hope of this podcast because it's always about taking inspired actions as we're all imperfect humans. Until next week, we'll see you soon. Take care. There you have it. Thank you for listening. It's our goal to build a global community of inspired action takers. And we can only do that with your help. So if you love Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. Provide a rating, download, subscribe, and share us on your socials. New episodes every Tuesday. You've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. Keep the conversation going by joining our private Facebook group, Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans, or go to inspiredactionpodcast.ca and tell us what is the inspired action you took this week next week on inspired action for imperfect humans and yes you may have to make the tough decision but that doesn't entitle you to just override our perspective you know we got to walk we got to work it through we got to walk that mile together and not just you shut me down